Welcome to the Homeschool Unlocked podcast, the show that helps parents see homeschooling as a unique opportunity. So forget fear. You can inspire. You can guide your child. Homeschool Unlocked. It's not school. It's life. Hello, welcome to the Homeschool Unlocked podcast. I'm Johan Avilas. For our new listeners, welcome, and for our old listeners, welcome back. That is right. Johan is back with us this week. We have a great episode for you today. So, Johan, go ahead. Why do logicians make such bad cooks? Logicians, because they don't like to reach, hmm, because they don't like to reach a boiling point. Not quite. They, because they only... They need a recipe. They can't. They always have to follow a recipe. The answer is because they're always reducing things to their simplest form. That good. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I guess that would make it pretty tough to cook and assemble if you're always trying to reduce. All right. Very true. And the reason I think you chose that joke is because you are not only studying logic, but you are an excellent cook. And we benefit from that a whole lot here at home. Parents, today we're going to talk with Johan about logic. He has actually studied logic for a few years now. This semester, he's actually looking at material logic, which is different than formal logic. I would like to present a few reasons why you should consider going a little deeper with logic and your students, especially as they are becoming young adults. If you haven't met Johan in person, let me just share, he is full of thoughts. He has so much to, he's always thinking. He has great things to talk about. He will make you laugh. He knows magic tricks. He knows uh, some cardistry, some pen tricks. What are, what are pen tricks called? I genuinely don't know. Okay, well, he knows tricks that, you know, when he's sitting down and he'll move his pen around and all this stuff. He is a lot of fun. And why I love the fact that we are taking time to study logic is that as he's growing up, now he's in this stage where he's no longer just a kid, a young boy. He's now growing into being a young man. He has all these thoughts going in his mind, and now he has bigger decisions to make. And by studying logic, it is actually a tool that is helping him think more clearly and uh, more critically. He's able to look at things and think about if something is true and if it is true, how to make things make sense, which just makes it a lot easier because as he's growing up, he's going to have bigger decisions to make. There are going to be things that we don't see eye to eye about, we don't necessarily agree on, and we have to make decisions about these things. And they're not bad things, they're just different choices that he could make. So as he's studying logic, it helps me to take him and kind of be more patient with him because I know he's being thoughtful. It helps me to know that he's also being responsible and careful. Actually, it sways me to kind of want to, like if he's really being thoughtful about something, you know, I I want to be persuaded toward his argument because I know that it's not just a, a, a silly decision, that he's not just being moody or temperamental. 
although obviously he's a young man and when you're in adolescence, you have, you know, things changing, right? Hormones fluctuating, all this stuff happening. So I appreciate that we are taking the time, that he's taking the time to study debate and logic. We're going to focus on logic today, but because I do want him to be able to construct solid arguments and to be able to defend his point of view. So Johan, you studied formal logic in the past and formal logic is more about looking at flow, like if A then B. Yeah, for sure. So when I was originally studying formal logic last year, it had to do a lot about like logical trees. So it's like breaking sentences down by conclusion, learning that a sentence can be valid but not be true. So in logic, we're more focused on the... In formal logic. Yeah, in formal logic, it was the validity of an argument rather than the truth. So we could be discussing completely fake, but our main goal is to discover, does it fit logical premises and is it properly written? All right, so when you were studying formal logic, that was dealing with truths and going from one truth statement to another, but not necessarily studying the truth of the statement itself. So we could be talking about, let's say, dragons and unicorns, which some people would say are just imaginary, but maybe not. And you're looking at how those statements like fit together and they flow, but not necessarily are those statements true. Whereas this semester with material logic, you are now evaluating the statements, the truth of the statement itself. Does that sound right? Um, To a certain extent, for sure. So as my mom beautifully put it, last year we were focusing more on the essence of a statement and its truth regarding the statement itself, not necessarily focusing on the content, more focusing on just the structure. But as we move into material logic, we see more and more that we are now focusing on what are some of the things we know. So we've done some stuff regarding the 10 categories We've basically found ways to break any single argument or any single essence of any single thing into logical form. So last year, we were more just writing a sentence. Is it truthful? Is it logically correct? And that was pretty much it. But this year, we're taking real world stuff and we're implementing it into our logic and seeing how if in the real world, if we get in a debate with a stranger or if we're just having a friendly conversation, how can we use something that God created, logic, to our advantage. So when we learn about material logic, we're not only learning about the truth of a statement, but we're learning about God because we see God through everything and God is the God of order and logic is the subject of order. So by learning more about logic, we're learning more about God because if God created this world in an orderly way and we wish to know more about God, it follows that we should... Well, I mean, it it follows that we should use logic. I understand one of my favorite statements two years ago when you first started with logic. In the beginning of the book, it said something about logic is a tool and we don't want to be like rigid or wooden with it in terms of, I don't remember if it was exactly talking about conversations, but just in the use of it, in the application of logic, it is a tool We want to be informed by it. We want to be reasonable and humble with how we use it. We do not want to use it as a kind of like a a weapon to slap somebody with. But like you shared, you know, it is a tool that God has given us to understand. He is a God of order and we can be orderly in our thinking. 
but also when we relate to somebody else or when we're using logic, it's not to be used incorrectly. It's used to, it's meant to be used as a, a means to actually reach out and to be a bridge and not to, and not to be offensive with it, right? Not to be rude with it. Yeah. So something I really love about classical learning is at least our classical learning is based off God. And when we read the book, the writer is very, very good at stressing the point that logic is a mere tool by God. So like we see throughout history when people take stuff that God created and they use it in a manner which he didn't intend. And that's true with every single thing, including mm-hmm. logic. Mm-hmm. So we can take logic and use it to learn more about God, to think more logically, to become better debaters, become better people. But the problem is when we become so logical that we are unable to make new connections and we shut it off at this isn't logically true and we black it off. We still have to be able to learn new information and learn as stuff goes on. Logic is just a tool and like any tool, if it's not used correctly, it won't serve its true purpose. So if we choose to use logic as the definite truth and if it's not logical, then it can't be true. That's where the problem arises. That's where we need to learn about God and learn more about him because he is the ultimate truth. And without God being our ultimate truth, we won't come to a proper conclusion. Right. So if we're using this as a tool, not to necessarily win an argument, instead of making winning the argument the point, which is so easy to do, what if we made persuading somebody, opening somebody's eyes, the goal in love to be able to do this? Because there are times I mean, I know even with myself where we really truly see things one way and it's not until someone helps us look at it from a different perspective or to walk through it using logic a lot of times, even if we don't do it in a, in a systematic kind of, you know, trained way that we're able to be persuaded to another, another conclusion. That whole act of persuasion is when you are influencing and sharing for the benefit of the other person. It is not manipulation where you are trying to sway somebody to do something that is contrary to their good. It's quite the opposite. So pick a chapter in your book, your studying material logic. Go ahead. It's time to let the chef cook. I'm actually on chapter seven. I'm studying the essential predicables. So originally I was probably thinking just what you guys are thinking. What in the world are those things? And just like our logic, we have to learn new stuff. So the essential predicables, there's five predicables. And in this particular chapter, we were merely learning about the first three. Um, We all know what the word essential means. That means vital or key to the topic. So when it comes to logic, logic has essentials and unessential things, just like everything else in life. Our essential logical things are parts of the sentence, which without them, the object would not be the same. If we're talking about a brown dog, the essence of the dog is animal. So without the dog being an animal, the statement would no longer exist because it's losing its essence. Every single sentence usually has a certain particular part of it, which without that part, it would no longer be true. If I say John is a prophet and we learn that John is no longer a prophet, then that statement is no longer true because the essence of John is prophet. And without that, we no longer have John. We still have John by himself, but in logical form, John is no longer there because the essence of prophet is John. So I'm pretty much confused too, but I'm trying to learn my best. 
so I'm still figuring out every single part of it. But I believe I'm improving and it's really, really fun. I'm really enjoying my time and I genuinely really love logic and I'm really excited to see where this book leads me through my logical experience. Remember, logic is just a tool by God. It's not the main source. So make sure to use the tools in the correct order that God intended. Correct intent, like the, the yes, correct yes. The motive. Awesome. And as he's studying, I mean, I have the privilege of helping set him up over the years, he has become more independent. And actually, Jesus, now that Johan's in 10th grade, is taking a bigger role in helping me homeschool Johan. But Johan really does most of his work independently. We're going to talk about debate because that's a big subject. And, you know, that's a lot of fun also, but it's also a lot of work. My goal is to help you Consider that logic is a tool that you can help your children begin to use even in minor ways. It could be as simple as a little book about analogies and you at the dinner table sit down, have a book, and begin to look at the relationship between these words and complete analogies. I mean, I found one at, I think, Goodwill and I bought it and Joel and Geronimo and I look through a couple of those and we answer a couple of those during a read aloud read aloud time. And so in small ways, as you begin to help your children use logic correctly, it's going to help them grow as communicators. And as they get into adulthood, it's going to help them think through things that they are wrestling with and hopefully lead to really great conversations with you. When they get older, you now, because you have inspired them and given them the tools and the character to become independent learners, right? What Johan is doing now is not what I did with him when he was eight or when he was four, but we've built up to that. And, you know, he's at a point where he wants to engage in conversation and think through things and discuss and in a healthy way, debate and argue and persuade and have impact and influence and all these good things. So parents, whatever means you take to help your children start using logic, studying logic, it's going to be a good resource and tool for you on your homeschooling journey. Thank you so much for giving us your time and attention. We want this to totally give you maybe just a little bit of curiosity, a little bit more excitement about using logic at home, studying logic even in simple ways. Subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified every week about our new episode. Thank you so much. Homeschool Unlocked. It's not school. It's life. <laughs> I can't speak if you keep laughing. I'm sorry. Beep. I really love logic. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know how much longer I can keep smiling. <laughs> okay, on, lock in. <laughs> I'm not even joking. If you laugh, I can't keep. I need. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Beep. Thank you for spending time with us today.
check out our link below and subscribe to our podcast. We hope that we helped you by unlocking a new way of seeing homeschooling. Who else needs to hear this? Only you know. So take action and share it. Because remember, homeschool unlocked. It's not school. It's life.